Welcome to the 10th episode of La Storia Podcast. I'm your host, Santina Giannino. Today I have the pleasure of talking to entrepreneur Tim Cahill to learn more about his journey from restaurant owner to Quincy City Councilor at Large, Massachusetts State Treasurer, author and podcast host of Profiles in the American Dream, and currently President at the Quincy Chamber of Commerce and Executive Director of Quincy Economic Development Corporation. Can't wait to hear Tim's story. How are you? Good, how are you doing? Excellent, thank you. Thanks for having me. And welcome to La Studia Podcast. Yeah. I'm so happy that you could make it here today. Love the studio. It's excellent. <laughs> yeah, my little uh, homemade studio here. Um, so um, I wanted to catch up with you. I'm so glad that I ran into you at the Christmas party. Yes, and yes. Uh, I haven't seen you in so many years, you know. So I'm glad that you can make it here today. You can share your very diverse professional life with yeah, us. Sure. So do you want to start with the beginning, like where you grew up and handshakes? Sure, like sure, talk sure, about. sure. I'd be happy to. <laughs> it's interesting because we were just talking about growing up and not knowing what you wanted to do in life or, or thinking you knew what you wanted to do and you're 18, 19, 20 years old. So um, I, uh, I was one of those confused teenagers back in the day. Um, went to Boston University. I grew up in Quincy. Right. Went to Boston University, Quincy Public Schools and went to, uh, I loved history. So uh, I don't know what that made me as an 18 year old who liked history, <laughs> but I really enjoyed reading and studying history. I was good at the classes and stuff. So I, um, I ended up going to Boston University because uh, they accepted me. And it was close. Nice. That's a great school. <laughs> it was close. It wasn't, I couldn't get in today, but I got in then. It was a little more lax and easier to get into back in the day. It was more of a commuter school, like even Boston College. Oh, uh, wow. A lot of Quincy kids and South Shore kids picked one or the other, or Northeastern. And that's where we went, because you could take the train in. Right, um, right. So I went to BU, um, and I became political a science. political science major. So you always so, a politician from the very I guess beginning. so. I guess I... I <laughs> I mean, there wasn't, I don't know if there was a history major, and I can't remember, but I, I, I think political science was part of history, so that was the major. But I did like politics, and I got my start um, doing an internship for um, then-Representative Brian Donnelly, who was a congressman in oh. Washington. So BU had a program that allowed students to take a semester and work as an intern for a politician, for a you know, government official. And Brian Donnelly was our local congressman, um, Steve Lynch, yeah, no, is, yeah. took his place oh, okay. when he retired. A great guy, a really great guy from Dorchester. I learned a, a lot in the three or four months I was there, and I got hooked. Um, wow. Came back, um, graduated from BU, and literally started campaigning as soon as I graduated. I mean... I was young and stupid, but I thought at 22 I could uh, make it onto the city council in Quincy. Um, and but I you, almost you did. did. I almost did. No, not that. No, that did. was oh, my oh. first race. I didn't win. I was close. I did better than a lot of people thought I would do, probably better than I should have done, given that I was a college graduate with a part-time job and lived at home with my parents. Um, people see you in like, are you, are you in high school? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, very hard work. Um, I really committed myself to it over the summer and the fall. Was um, that at the same time that you had the restaurant? No, this was before. Oh, before the, the restaurant, restaurant is a result of the politics because um, it was 1981 
when I ran. So um, 19, no, it was 1980 when I ran because I just graduated from, from college. And um, there was a re- we were in a big recession back then. It was the beginning of the Reagan era, the end of the Carter era. It was still high in, um, unemployment, high yeah. interest rates, something we're, we're experiencing again. Comes full and so circle. <laughs> getting a job was hard. So I, I, um, I got a job in an office here in Quincy. Um, the guy, uh, Eddie Graham, who ran my campaign uh, was substitute teaching. We had enjoyed working together, went to high school together, we wrestled together in high school. Um, and then I asked him to be my campaign manager because his father used to be on the city council. And he was a oh. smart guy, one of the few smart wrestlers out there, uh, really intelligent. And, and I just liked him and trusted him. And I figured he had some political experience given that he helped his father. Right, right. So we embarked on a crazy campaign uh, that came very close to succeeding. Um, then we had to get into the real world after the after that and uh, get to work and try to support ourselves and move out of our houses. Um, and we decided we wanted to open up a business together. Um, we didn't like being sort of corporate. There wasn't something that yeah. either of us you wanted want to, to be do. in an office. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to be in an office. Um, we liked, you know, we were 22 years old when I was running for city council, and we liked working together. We, and we liked working, you know, being in charge. Yeah. We like being in charge. That was something that I gravitated to, and so did he. So he said, why don't we start our own business? And so originally it was going to be a gym because that's what wow. we were really into, working out and visiting gyms all around Quincy and the South Shore. Um, the Nautilus thing was just starting back oh, yeah. then. Yeah, and I joined them There up. were all <laughs> kinds of fads and all kinds of places, but nothing that we really liked. We wanted to do our own. Um, but that was too big a, a wish, uh, given the cost of opening a gym. You need space, you need locker rooms, you need, it was just a lot it's of money. Good, we yeah. didn't have any money. So, but one of our ideas, with it, what we're going to do is we were going to put in a sort of a health food juice bar at the back gym. Back then? Back then. Wow. That was our goal. That's Cause, impressive. Because we, there was no really healthy places right. to eat in Quincy. No. And we were into working out, into health. And we said, you know, we don't want to eat at McDonald's. And there yeah. was nothing. It was either greasy spoon or fast food. Right, right, right. So, um, we, so what happened is we, we figured out, just by the process of elimination, that it would probably be easier and cheaper to open up a little food stand than, it, than a gym. And then maybe someday we could grow into the gym. And so that's how Handshake started. Um, it was a small restaurant. We brought in a third partner who was a couple of years younger than us, but it was a Quincy High School culinary graduate ah, of the vocational school. The vocational school, school dear, yeah. He, he was a pastry chef at a, at a hotel in Boston. I mean, he was working. He was the only one who had a real job. Right, smart. Because he, <laughs> he had a real talent. We recruited him. Uh, we knew him from wrestling as well. Um, Eddie was friendly with him, and his brothers were friendly. So, anyways, he was a couple of years younger than us, and the three of us just started looking for a place. We had no plan other than we wanted to make good, healthy food, and um, and it just morphed into handshakes. So we started in a small. How did the name handshakes because of the politics? No, yeah, kind of. We we created an ad for the campaign that had two guys shaking hands. You know, it was yeah. kind of a. It, we were kind of trying to get the 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 you know to tell the public that my goal was to bring the city together. 
Oh, okay. You know, a little cheesy, but um, but it worked. It, but was it's a, a great it was name. it was a good ad. A it was a good name. ad. You know, two guys just shaking hands. Yeah. And we and we became kind of well known for it. I mean, it became a thing. Right. Not, it, today it might have gone viral, but it, it was no viral back <laughs> in those days. So, but it kind of did locally, and um, it, it was interesting because it was I wasn't in the ad. It was no picture of me. It was just two hands, two, hands. two guys shaking hands, two yeah. arms basically. Right. Right. And so uh, I don't know if we became famous for it or people laughed about it, but either way, it became known. Became known yeah. And so, um, and that became the name of our cafe. Uh, and it was interesting because it used to be the the building, a small building on Granite Street, used to be a um, travel agency that went out of business. It's no longer there. It was right on Granite Street, right near the old Tom McCann's on the corner oh, okay. of Granite and Hancock. Uh, they just put a new eight-story building across the street where Stop and Shop is. So we knew that that was a great location. location. There'd be a thousand people there. So we knew a little bit about the business. Right. We, knew, we knew we needed to be close to that. We wanted to be in the square. So um, Handshakes was born at an old um, travel agency, and they, and they had words in different language saying welcome. And we renovated the place, but we left the welcome words in different, we didn't even know what languages they were in, but it was welcome in like six different languages painted, stenciled onto the wall behind the counter. And we, um, we built a counter, we did everything. We built a counter, um, we bought, you know, we got a local businessman to give us some money because the banks wouldn't touch us. Right, right, right. so because we had no plan. Years old. We had no plan. We had no business plan. We just oh, okay. wanted to do it, and we threw it together. We, you know, it was a breakfast and lunch place yeah. uh, because Joe, a third partner, could make. Uh, he's a really good baker. He made croissants and muffins and yeah. breads and all kinds of really good stuff. Ed made uh, was making the salads and the chicken. You know, with cooking chicken and making chicken salad, things like that. Basic menu, and I was in charge of the coffee. So we um, we roasted our own beans, and it was which was kind of early in that in the, era yeah. to, to bring a fancy kind of a French cafe into Quincy. Right. Um, but people loved it. It was a success right out of the gate. Um, we, um, we. When did, did you move to well. across the street from Stop and Shop? That's when I met in you. In 1984. So we did two years at oh, at the Granite years. Street, and then okay. what happened is we the place was cheap because the lease had a, a six month you know sort of close where because they were going to tear the building down so oh. it was no long-term lease which is another yeah. reason why we couldn't get along they had no long-term lease uh, they said we'll give you you know we'll give you the place for i don't know short money um but we give you six months notice and you got to leave so they, after a year and a half they gave us six months notice that the building's going to be torn down there's going to be wow. a building built there it's a little office building there now and um there was a rest a cafe that went in across the street on Hancock Street near near City Hall in the Adams Building, they had come in when we were there and gone out within a year, so they had kind of built it out and we moved over there. Um, 1984, I think it was. So this was two years after we opened the business, and um, and then we had a bigger place, so we had to get the first place had no tables, no place to sit. We used to um. we used to get uh, milk crates, and we'd set them up. Uh, for people to sit on if they oh. were waiting. It was all takeout. Um, and then we put some you know, some wood on a milk crate and made a counter out of it. So it was really kind of a Mickey Mouse operation. Right, but right. it was takeout. And yeah. it really was successful. We had It was busy all the time. We were making some money. And we were able to then get a, a loan, bank loan, uh, to expand. Yourself. 
we had a business plan at that right, point. Exactly. And we had a business, so we had made um, you know, sort of a name for ourselves locally and Handshakes was then born at the Adams Building. Uh, with a real sign on the front. Sign, big and, sign. <laughs> and a lot of seats and yeah. a bigger space. So we had to expand our menu um, to, you know, more lunch items and more breakfast items and shakes, which right. actually was part of the original idea. It was I was in charge of the coffee and I had these, you know, recipes supposedly or these concoctions of healthy drinks, shakes, shakes. you know, yeah. uh, they juice bars they call them now but we didn't call it that then but and that's kind of where handshakes kind of got its name so we added ice cream and you know it became a real restaurant day restaurant breakfast and lunch we never had a liquor license um we ran it together for five years and then we decided to go our separate ways and i kept the business the partnership broke up but i kept the business and ran it for another five years so it was about a little over 10 years in the business um and then I just got tired. I got worn down. We had a couple of recessions. The square had changed a lot. A lot of the smaller businesses and the Patriot Ledger, which was probably our biggest, most consistent customer, right. moved. And stop and shop. We were always there every day. Yeah, stop and shop <laughs> was there. brought the The, the Department of Education left, though. And, so, and then one of the things that happened was stop and shop renovated and put in their own cafeteria. Oh, that we did on the fifth floor. <laughs> and uh, it was a big hit. And uh, with the with the people, yes, but it made yes. it harder for us. But the it, the real thing was I was getting antsy a little bit. Yeah. And um, I had since ran for city council, run for city council a second time, 1987, after the partnership dissolved. Um, I decided with there was an open seat for this job, the position I had run for in eighty in eighty one. And I said, let's go for it. I was married at that point. Yeah. Um, Tina and I got married. We had two kids. I had, we had our own place. We didn't own a house, but we had our own place. So it was a little more established. Yeah. And she was, uh, uh, her and her family were great helps to us. Especially mother and father. Um, Being married, um, adding the Italian to the Irish, which if you remember back in Quincy, back in the day, Quincy was either, you were either Irish or Italian. There wasn't much, there wasn't too much in between that. Um, there were there wasn't the Asian influx yet. It was right, you know, right. and marrying an Italian back then, nineteen eighty four, was kind of for an Irishman was a big deal. Not for me, but for my parents, my father especially, who was from South Boston, and her father, who was from Italy. Right. Um, they were very like kind of surprised and not too supportive of the fact that I was marrying an Italian and she was marrying an Irish. So, uh, I thought that was very common though in Quincy. It became common. Maybe it was back then, um, but they weren't thrilled with it. Yeah. They were old school. Right, and, old uh, school. you know, she should marry someone Italian of and course, I should marry someone Irish, but it worked out great for us. Um, they eventually came around, yeah. uh, which was good. So anyways, that really, really helped. Um, because now um, I had more, I had a resume, I had a real, I had run a business where people knew me from the business. I had a family and the family was, my family was now half Italian. So it, it and it really kind of broke down on, on sort of the ethnic lines. The Irish would vote for the Irish guy and the Italians would vote for the yeah, Italian guy. Right. I think they were more Irish than Italian, but there was always, you know, Joe Larea, there was always somebody at that point, who uh, represented sort of the Italian vote. Right. And uh, I was able, with my mother-in-law's help and my wife's help, to, to bring those two groups together. 
um, and and it worked. So, anyways, That's I got great. elected. Um, I ran both the business and 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 you know my council job simultaneously, which was hard. That was probably the big reason I sold the business in in the mid nineties. Um, it was hard doing both um, because it, it wasn't just a real job. But I was up at five o'clock in the morning. To, to, I was in the work in at the five morning. in the morning and late nights on the council and stuff. So it was it was a real grind. Um, without partners, it was hard. Yeah. Know, no one to share the work with. Exactly. Be there exactly. every right. single day. day. Um, the winters were the hardest. Uh, business was tough. And, and anyways, and I just, I realized I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. Um, so I decided to... Um, Stick with politics? Yeah, well, I just, I, what I really wanted to do was just see if I wanted to do it full time. So um. I ran for um, county treasurer, Norfolk County Treasurer, which was a full time position. Um, it dealt with finance, and and so I felt I had a business background, I had a political background. It might be a good fit for me, um, and I did it. I did it on a whim. I sold the business prior to that. Um, started another business, actually a small business. It was a courier business that was relatively successful with another friend in West Quincy. Uh, we ran that for a couple of years. Probably could have made something out of it because it was a growing business, especially be below FedEx, which is yeah. really starting to grow. It, it's even bigger now. Right, right. But anyways, it was. I I just didn't. I didn't go to work for somebody else until I was in my mid fifties. Wow. I didn't go to work for anyone. I mean, I was you know either a political entrepreneur boss. or a business entrepreneur. I was my own boss. I really enjoyed that. When I was elected county treasurer, um, I became the you know the, the sort of the financial boss of the county. Right. I was independently elected, which I thought, which is what I liked, and I could fill my staff. I mean, I could hire the people that I the, felt were good and qualified, um, and and I think that's what I liked the most about being an entrepreneur and being in business was. I got to pick who I wanted to work with, right, right. as opposed to being thrown in or taking orders from someone. I was never good at taking orders ever. I'm still not good still. at it. Ask Tina. I'm still not good at it. Um, and um, and that then and when I I got the job in the county, so it was full time. I'd sold the business. I was still on the city council part time, but it was a better mix for me. I was able to do both jobs, um, and um, and I said I really like this treasurer position. You got to work with finance, you get to work with business, but it's still a government job. Right. You know, I had sort of, in my mind, was the best of both worlds. I was in government, but I was also working with business people. We ran a hospital, we ran a school, Norfolk County Agricultural School. We were overseeing, you know, good-sized budget and investing money for, for retirees. So I really liked it, and I learned a lot about that part of the business world. Started reading the Wall Street Journal every day oh, just wow. to understand and, and figure out reading more business books rather than just political books. Yeah. Because I wanted to be knowledgeable about it. I wanted to know it. I wanted to be an, not an expert, but enough of an expert to figure it yeah. out. Uh, because the treasurer's job is, is one of the few jobs in government where you are really responsible for a money and you are personally liable. When you sign a bond note, when you sign a, a, a You're bond, personal you, liable? you they are, can like actually yeah, sue you. Yeah, <laughs> yes, personally. So you wow. can't escape it. You know, it's not just they can vote you out, but they can come after you. So it's it's you know it's a serious job. Ah. It wasn't a big you know it wasn't big high finance, but it was a but it was enough. And um, 
And my business background helped me. And one of the things that I think I was when I had always I've always been relatively shy and introverted. Surprise for a lot of people. Really, um, because everything that you've done is just the opposite. <laughs> well, and what I learned when I handshakes was the best experience in my yes. life, best work experience yes. ever, and one and the toughest job I ever had. Much harder than politics. Much much harder because everything was on me. And, um, and I learned at early on that because I was the front guy. I was right. out in front. I had to be friendly to my customers. I had to show a friendly face. I had to find out about them. How was your meal? Make them How you make them comfortable? Get out back. of my shell or lose the business. Right. I had a choice, exactly. and I forced myself. It was really helpful having Tina too, because she was the opposite. The she opposite. was an extrovert, <laughs> and help, having her, you know, between that and the business, I came out of my shell. It was really helpful for politics, because you have to, you have to meet people, you have exactly. to engage with them, right. you have to find out what they're, what they want, right. and and. Try to help them if you can. That's the business. That's really all it is in a nutshell. And so I, I became better at that. It really helped. And then I said, you know, if, if it, I'd always dreamed of running for statewide office um, politically. And um, I thought, you know, if the treasurer's office ever opens up at the state level, I'll run for it. And it did. And I ran for it. Wow. And um, same same kind of job, much, 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 much higher bigger. level, <laughs> much bigger. And the challenge for me in that running for that position was there were two Cahills in the race. There was another guy named Cahill from oh, the no North Shore way. named Michael. Michael Patrick Cahill. I was Timothy Patrick Cahill. Oh, my god! We were about the same age. We didn't look. We could have been cousins. And oh we might have been cousins for all I knew. But that was a problem because there were two of us and there were four people in the race and two of the guys running were oh, both wow. named Cahill. So we had to come up with a strategy. And my daughter, who's now rightly so in advertising, came up with it. She was 10 at the time. My youngest oh my daughter, Kendra, said, just use your first name. And it's him for treasure. And we looked, we looked at her, patted her on the head and said, yeah, good idea, Kendra. And then it dawned on us that I have to use my first name. My last name's not going to cut it. No right. one's going to be able to, if wow. they're too confused. And Tim for treasurer had a ring to it. So we just did a whole ad campaign based on Tim for Treasurer. Everywhere I went, that's what I said. Just remember, I used to say, remember there's two Cahills, remember Tim for Treasurer. And Kendra and I filmed an ad um, and we got on. T we put it on TV and it was a smash. It was a viral sensation. Well, again, really? before anything became viral, um, you can probably still see it on YouTube. Um, her oh, on the front Google steps. It. Her and I on the front steps, and her. I remember the, the picture of yeah. you and the family. And on the she front became steps. more famous than me, which was uh, which was awesome. You know, they came and interviewed her at school, and oh we went on TV gosh. together on Emily Rooney. Um, it was fun. It, it was a, it was a really really good campaign. We bootstrapped it. It was like three of us um, and a bunch of volunteers, and we were Jim Dunn. Yeah, Jim Dunn, <laughs> yes. Uh, Scotty Campbell, Jim Dunn. Uh, I had one oh. one full-time paid staffer, and everyone else was just volunteering. Oh, yeah. It was really, nobody thought I could win, and uh, you know, I don't blame them, but we did. But they surprised a lot of people, and yeah. we stuck with it, and it was a great, great victory, and we're able to go on. It was a lot of fun, and um, and I spent eight years there. Um, it's loved a long it, time. Loved it. Really enjoyed the job. It was challenging. We uh, took over the Alcoholic Beverage and Control Commission from the governor's office because we felt we could run it better, and I think we did. 
um, and we took over the school building uh, program. So we developed a financial model that would allow cities and towns and the state to fund school buildings in throughout the state because um, it was a bankrupt program. And the governor at the time, Mitt Romney, closed it down, said we're not building any more schools till we figure this thing out. So we figured it out, my staff and I, and then we got it patent, new legislation passed. And so all of school building since 2004 has been done through the oversight of the treasurer's office. Um, I actually was able to pick an executive director, pick a board, and we created it from scratch. And, um, and, and it made sense. Um, we came up with design standards so you couldn't just build whatever you wanted anywhere for whatever price. And the state would pay its share and the local community had to pay its share. And so Quincy's benefited from it. We've got three new schools in Quincy. Braintree's yeah. benefited from it. I think there's a new school in Braintree that was just yeah, opened. Just, yeah, just and the program, the Massachusetts School Building Authority has been in its function since 2004. Um, so it's almost two decades and it's wow. done a great job. And um, there's still people there that were there when I hired them back in 2004. Um, it's changed over time, but the same policy is the same process is in place. So really proud of that because we just took some sound financial policies and ideas and figured out how to write legislation that would make it work. Uh, and it's worked. It's worked phenomenally That's great. well. And That's great. Uh, happy uh, that I was able to, to be part of that and proud of it. You so, should be. This yeah. is this is like something, and it's carrying on, and it's, you know, for you to just see that it's still in the back. I love it. Anytime I go anywhere, if there's a like, new school, I know that even though I'm not there anymore, we we had a, a hand in yeah, it because the program great. has financially withstood the test of time, and it's still run well. I, yeah. I think it's still run Maybe very very well. Maybe to know that you. Yeah, well, that's that's why I got into politics. I wanted yeah. to help people and Changes. make differences when I can. I wasn't a label guy. I was a Democrat pretty much a name only. I mean, it was a party that I joined at a young age because I supported Democratic candidates. Um, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't, when I first started out, it wasn't the way it is today where you, you're in one camp and you're in the other camp and one camp hates the other camp and the other camp hates this camp and you can't talk to each other, become friends, um, colleagues. And I yeah. liked people on both sides of the aisle. Uh, I was more conservative than the, than the liberal Democrats and more liberal than the conservative Republicans. So eventually I left the party um, when I was treasurer and became an independent, right. which is what I am today, and ran for governor yeah. as an independent. Right. Um, found out the hard way that that is a difficult role. Independence, yeah. That's, it's a difficult, it's, everybody yeah, says they, they, they want independence, but when it comes no. time to vote, it's... People don't vote People tend way. to vote parties, and the parties yeah. have so much power and control. The unions and the... The business community sort of falls into it gravitates eventually to one yeah. camp or another yeah. so it was um, the first campaign I lost since the first campaign back in 1981 yeah. um, it was a tough race very painful um, but something I would I would do you know I wouldn't do it again but I don't regret doing it exactly I don't regret doing it I, I was ready to either move up or move out I didn't want to be treasurer for life I probably could have been because yeah. um, once you're in office, it's easier to stay in. Yeah, you know? exactly. Especially, if, back especially in. if you just try to stay out of trouble and not yeah. not not bring any attention to exactly. yourself, which was not my style. Um, <laughs> I got in trouble and I brought attention to myself. Sometimes for the wrong reasons, sometimes for the right reasons. But um, but I felt you know this is what I want to do, yeah. and this is what 
I got into the business for and I'm going to, you know, do do it the way I feel it should be done. And if that's, if people don't want it, then I'm out. And so, you were chairman of the lottery. I was chairman. Yes, yes. That was probably so that was, my most important job because of the financial strength of the lottery and the importance of it. But that was a lot of fun. I really loved that part of it because that really was my retail background. Ah, you know, okay. because people don't realize as much that the lottery is, is a government entity, run but business, it's, yeah. it, it's really run by 7,000 agents across private businesses that sell the product because we don't sell any of the product oh, ourselves. Really? It's all sold by convenience stores and yeah, coffee shops right. and mom and pop restaurants and things like that. So it kind of brought me back to my roots. Um, met a lot of great people, both who worked for the lottery and were agents, and we tried to, and we grew it. Um, made a, you know, we made connections with the Red Sox and the Patriots, so that we started printing uh, and selling tickets, sports themed tickets, which the precursor of, you know, sports gambling now. Oh and wow! It's now taken over, but you couldn't do any of that back in in the early part of the this century. You couldn't even associate gambling with a sports team until we kind of broke the mold with the Red Sox. And then at the NFL, we actually had to present in front of the NFL committee saying why this sh should be done, why you should be allowed to to scratch a ticket that has a Patriots logo on it or an NFL logo. So that was pretty heady at the time and, and a big deal. And now it's everywhere. Now it's devolved into you can gamble anywhere you want and almost. It, yeah. And the sports teams are part of it. So... Um, I like that. And the reason I liked it the most is that the money that we were able to generate, the revenue we were able to generate, went back to cities and towns. And it was close to a billion dollars by the time I left. So wow. that and that the school building authority and investing in the pension fund, because that was important to retirees that we invested the money wisely. Uh, we ran into a, a real challenge in 2008 when the economy melted down and the yeah. banks all fell apart. And our portfolio went from you know, 35 billion down to 20 in a matter of months because the market had declined, but we were able to build it back up so that when I left, it was double worth, double what it was when I yeah. first came in. And um, so it was, it was, again, I loved doing it. Um, I wasn't necessarily committed to doing it for the rest of my life. Um, so I figured I'd run for office and see what happened. And and this, and so I ended up going back into the private sector. That's great that, that you seem to be like at the source, at the beginning of all these things that yeah, kind of like fun. have now, you know, it was, they, the everyday yeah, business it, now, but well, you know, that, there was a staff. Bringing some innovation to um, to government was was similar to me. The, the I got the same feeling as when we brought innovative products to, to our customers at Handshakes. Right. They requested a certain type of croissant, or they, why don't you make this, or you want to make pizza, and my, and Joe could make anything. You want to make pizza? Sure, I'll make pizza. And, and it became, you know, sort of, um, you know, we broke some ground. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun, and I still have people, you know, not many, but a few people out there that still says, you know, I made the best muffins in the world, I wish you were still doing it, kind yeah. of stuff. And yeah. that's kind of nice, just like when I run into a former employee, that I hired at the, you know, at the mm -hmm. treasury back in, you know, 2004. And now they're a successful lawyer or they're right, moved right. up in, in corporate world or something. So it makes I, you proud. I, I enjoyed it. I yeah. really enjoyed it. I, I think um, I was a coach for a little while. I wrestled in high school 
um, was influenced by a great coach of mine and who became president of Archbishop Williams, Carmen Mariano. Ah, that's why I recognize the name. Carmen that's Mariano right. was president and principal <laughs> at Archbishop Williams, yeah. and he was our wrestling coach at Quincy High School, and he was a great influence uh, on my life. And um, I coached with him after I graduated from high school when I was going to college. Uh, coached myself for a year as the head coach of the wrestling program, but I liked I, I liked the mentor student relationship or the coach athlete relationship, and I tried to apply that to everything I've done and every role that I've had, so that you try to bring um, clarity to people's lives. You try to help them. You give them a job or you yeah. give them a career. You you know, and you hold them accountable. Um, which is hard. I remember, you know, there's one, I, I remember running into a young woman who worked for me at Handshakes. I think I was at the State House and she was all nervous because it didn't really go well and I think I, I either fired her or she quit. I don't remember the circumstances, but she wasn't ready for the job and she wasn't working to our standards. And she approached me and said, you know, I, I hope you remember me and I, I'm embarrassed because it didn't really go well when I was there, but I learned a lot and now I'm a lawyer and... Oh my God. I've turned, my, you know, it wasn't her life was, wasn't doing, it wasn't doing well, but she just wasn't mature enough. Yeah. And we had high standards. And I learned yeah. that from Carmen, um, that you set standards high and, and you'll probably succeed. Yeah. And we did. We succeeded at the restaurant business. And I tried to apply that to the politics as well, bringing in good people who have, um, who have since succeeded in their lives afterwards. And I don't know if it was because of me, but I think it was more the standards we set, um, very high standards. You had to work hard. It wasn't a job, you know, I, I didn't accept the fact that, um, you know, because it was a government job, you didn't have to work for it. We actually had a reputation, which was not all well received outside that when, when they hired you for a job, you actually had to come and work. And work. At the very least, which was a little bit of a surprise for some people for who thought they yeah. got a job and then they didn't have to do anything for the rest of their lives. And uh, and they enjoyed it. They enjoyed yeah. it. And if, if it wasn't for them, they went to some other agency. They probably enjoyed it because they grew. You know, yeah. they were able to absorb somebody who had leadership. And people, they, they get inspired by they, that. They do. They, they, they either get lazy because they just bored, you know, like there's nothing to look forward to, but if they work for somebody that they really admire and they're learning things, then they want to do well, right? Yeah, I mean, you, and it's, what I learned from Carmen is that you set high, high standards, standards, yeah. expect excellence, the best. and people will either rise up and meet it or they'll quit yeah. or they'll leave. And that's okay. That's right. okay because maybe they'll figure it out later. Um, and that's, you know, that's what I've really always tried to do in my in my life and uh, and it's funny because when I left state government after the election in 2010 um, left the treasurer's office because my term was up um, I didn't want to work from I didn't want to be the boss anymore so I went to work in a finance company and then for a consultant for about it was about seven maybe six seven years and then I, I realized I was missing being in charge and yeah. picking people and when there was somebody at work that I didn't think was really good or was really helpful to the business I had no power I wasn't the boss anymore right and it frustrated me it took me a while to figure it out because um, at first I didn't want to be the boss I didn't want to be in charge I wanted to relax a little bit yeah. enjoy life but I enjoyed that and so in 2017 you recharged yeah it, for, for you yeah I, for it, being well, a president now. <laughs> yeah well I I 
We charged, I, I think I just reevaluated what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I was still relatively young in my mid-50s, and yeah. I didn't want to spend the rest of my life working for someone else or doing what I really didn't love to do. And uh, I realized what I loved to do. Um, I actually wrote it down because someone said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. And so I wrote it down, and I wanted to be in a, in, I wanted, I was looking for, or I was seeking a position or some type of career that brought that had that was a connection to business had a connection to business and government, and the law the chamber of commerce kind of I don't say it fell into my lap but it was approached for the position by someone I really respected, and I was ready for it. I really wanted to do it. I wanted to come back to Quincy. I didn't want to be in work in Boston anymore. I wasn't. I hated the commute. It was just yeah. wasn't what I wanted to do anymore. Right. Um, and so the chamber, you know, worked really well and I found that I really, really, I've been there five years now. I love it because I in charge, I get to pick my team, small, but really good. Um, we do a lot of good things for the city of Quincy. I work closely with the mayor's office in, in local government when we need to, but I'm independent and I work with a lot of businesses. So I have some experience, you know, about, you know, what do you think if I want to open a coffee shop? What do you think if I want to open a you know dry goods store or mm. a new restaurant? And you know I have opinions sometimes based on my own failings, failures. Sometimes I'm based on what I succeeded at. Um, you know I remember thinking I'm talking to one young person for a while about you know they wanted I don't remember the business they wanted to open up, but it might have been a clothing store. But she she was looking for the perfect location. I said, there is no perfect location. Right. When we started Handshakes, we looked at three. We had a deal on two locations that got, we had the rug pulled out from under us. The landlord said, no, we're not renting to you after we had already made a commitment. And this third spot, which turned out to be the best spot, just fell into our laps. Right. But it was because we missed out on the first two that we found the third. Exactly. We probably wouldn't have succeeded if we had had either of the other two. And it wasn't perfect. It was bigger than we wanted right. it. But then it became too small. And you kind of adapt, we, right. you know. We didn't have a business plan, which isn't always the best advice for someone wanting to start a business. <laughs> but we figured it out as we went, and we were willing to work as hard as it took. I mean, we worked from four thirty in the four o'clock in the morning until ten o'clock at night, six seven days a week for over probably two years, just, just figuring it out. I mean, we we didn't know what we were doing, and we but we would work as hard as we could to to make to figure right. out what we needed to do. Right. Uh, one night, we, we talk about this, me and my partner Ed all the time, we, we get together every now and then and we call it pie day, but we made a commitment. We, we just basically, right before Thanksgiving, said, hey, we'll make pies. You want to put in orders for pies for our customers? Because it's Thanksgiving and everybody right, likes right. pies and we could bake and Joe could bake. And uh, we ended up taking so many orders for pies that we had no real idea how to actually make them and cook them. <laughs> And how to, you know, we really had no idea. I mean, Joe knew how to make the paste, you know, yeah, we knew the right. basics. He had some recipes, yeah. but. But you make such a large book over so many orders that all of a sudden it's like midnight, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, the day before the day before Thanksgiving. And we have these pie orders, people coming in on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving yeah. to pick up these pies. And we're, it dawned on us that we're going to be here all night. We're not going to be able to go home. There's no, because we had a small oven. We made the pies and we had to wait to cook them and then box them and we had no place to put them when we oh boxed them. Gosh. And it was the craziest night of our lives. 
it was not one of the best ones, but it was really insane. And we worked straight through the night and then opened up the first thing in the morning, started serving coffee, and then people came in for their pie orders. And we, we referred to it as pie day. It was insane. Um, and, but we figured it out. And it, it was the hardest day we ever worked, and it was probably the best day. Rewarding. And that's what I try to impart to people yeah. is, is if it's not hard, it's probably not going to be successful. Right. Um, and those are the days you'll remember. The yeah. hard, really difficult ones when you're thinking, I don't think we're going to make it. Right. I can't make the mortgage payment. I can't pay the rent. I don't know how we're going to do this. And then that you come up with a, maybe a, a special or it just it turns out to be a nice day and people come in. Right. You know, you've put in all the work. And things will kind things of work happen, out. Things happen, yeah. It will work out for the best. And that's right. been my philosophy. If you put the work in, uh, things will come out the other side eventually. Or you'll learn a lesson and figure out how to do it better the next time. Right. You know? I, I, I agree with that. Because you can't wait for the perfect time. You can't wait until, you know, you are... Um, you know everything about what you want to do. That it's just, you know, it, it, people miss out on a lot of opportunities because yeah. they're waiting for that perfect time for the, you know, enough money, enough of this, you know, enough knowledge. But you got to try and just... You got to jump just, in. Just jump in and you just see in. what happens. And, um, you know, and then if you fail, you just get up and just try something. Oh, just try it again. Well, I always say to my daughter, if it was easy, everybody would do yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you can't just expect everything to just be... And you don't really enjoy it unless you have to really put some effort into exactly. it. I think. I mean, it, Oh, my God. It's okay. Um, well, that well, must be our that, cue because I've uh, gone way over time. That's okay. Is, you know? But I did, I did want to talk about the um, Chamber of Commerce though, because... You are really helping a lot of business now, so like that must be really, really rewarding. So, what do you want to say to everybody who's listening right now? Like, why would they want to join the? Uh, like, I've gone to a lot of events prior yeah. to you know, um, you know, the uh, pandemic. There was a lot of things, network things that were happening, yeah. which was really great because you really get to meet a lot of people. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff kind of like just sort of just went away now, which is too bad. It was hard. It, it was yeah, hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're bringing them back. That's yeah, the good news. Yeah, a little news. bit slowly. We, we've been, um, we, this year will be a full year. Last year was an almost full year. I mean, we started um, really in 2021 sort of getting back. We did a lot of things outside so people would be more comfortable networking events outside. Yeah. Uh, what I... What I what I want to tell people is the Chamber of Commerce, our Chamber of Commerce has evolved um, to try to meet the needs of the small, the smaller businesses. You know, we're supported by bigger businesses financially, but our focus is on small business to try to get them. I understand where they might be, just like where right. I was 30 right. years before. And I want to try to help them get to the next level if they can or figure out a better way to do things. Not an easier way, but a better way to do things and help them reconnect because... Being an entrepreneur, especially if you're a sole proprietor, can be a very lonely existence. And when times get tough, you feel like the walls are caving in on you. And sometimes just being with other people who are feeling the same thing or been where you you are uh, gives you confidence that, I'll get through this. You got through it. I'm smarter than he is, you know. And um, I got more talent and stuff. And and that's really what I want to impart. And also... To try to make people see that Quincy is a really, really great place to start or run a business. 
how Dunkin' Donuts started here. Right. How Johnson started here. We've got companies. Which, which takes us to you also an author. So yeah. we have so much to yeah. cover. Yeah. I'm gonna, I bought your book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Back yeah. then, you know, the little library that yeah. was like part of the uh, Queens of Junior College. Yeah. That was next door to the yes. Stephen Shaw. Yes. I walked by there one day coming back from the that's YMCA. That's where we first, that's where we had our first. And I saw it on yeah. the window and I said, oh my gosh. So I bought the book. And funny story I'm going to tell you. Um, you know, I have a staging business now, right? Yeah. So a lot of my books now, they my warehouse because I use them for staging. Right. And a couple of months ago, it just came across it. So I took a picture and I sent it to Tina. And oh. I said, look what I'm using in brain treatment. <laughs> Good. I love that. So you were on the coffee I table. Love that. I love that. I'll show you the picture actually yeah, afterwards. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did write a book because I've always yeah. wanted to do that. And uh, way back. When I was running handshakes, um, most and again, it's interesting because I wanted to write about my own experience and the challenges faced with running a food business. And but it dawned on me after being in the business ten years that I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have a hundred stores. I'm nobody knows who I am. It's I'm not a name, and I don't know if my story is interesting enough. So I decided to write instead of write about myself, write about other businesses. That have succeeded, you know, uh, Howard Johnson's, Dunkin' Donuts, the Grossmans, you know, Peter O'Connell, the subjects that I ended up cho- choosing. But what was most interesting in interviewing and researching the, the, the proprietors, the owners, the founders, where I was able to do that, what I found is that the most interesting stories are when they failed. Exactly. Not when they succeeded. And you go back to Johnson, you even go back to Dunkin' Donuts, and there were a lot of early failures. Um, and it took a lot for those guys to get where they where they ended up getting, becoming very successful. And Duncan to this day is you know the you know one of the most successful right, companies in right. the world. Started here in 1950. So I did it for that reason. I wanted to sort of share that insight to people who don't know what it's like to run a business and right. don't and think that every successful businessman is just rich and you know should be hung and dry. And it because, doesn't happen overnight. No, it no. takes a lot of work and it takes we a lot live, of failures. We live in a great country, yeah. uh, I believe, that yes, allows people to take the chance to succeed or fail right. um, and more succeed than not and and create and you know have the freedom that I've had, you have as entrepreneurs to pick your life. It's not chosen for you by the government. It's not chosen for you by your birthright. Right. You figure it out. Exactly. I mean, my wife Tina and I, when we first met, she had her own business too. She had a dress shop, uh, Lobby Lancia, which was a women's boutique in Quincy Center, right next to where uh, the newsstand used to be, right between Sawyer's and the newsstand. For two and a half, three years, she, she created her own boutique, women's boutique, and it was really well... She did a great job with it, and uh, interestingly enough, we had two entrepreneurs in the family, and then when we had, I think, our third child, um, something had to give, and so she ended up closing it down. Um, but she, she, like me, really, really, really enjoyed it and struggled through it. Right. Um, you know, creating a sort of something different. It was French, it was Italian-based, and, you know, it was yeah. a little different for Quincy. Yeah. Um, and it was both good and, and challenging because it was different. Right. And um, not, it wasn't everyone's taste, but it worked out. And some women, and there are a number of women who still come to her and say, I wish you still had the dress shop in yeah. Quincy. And so um, it's, been, it's been um, 
it's compl- between the two careers, the political and the business career, they've been very rewarding. I've learned a lot. And, I and now that you retire from the politics, now she jumped in. She, right? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Now the connection. Now she's she, on the school she's committee. She's on the school committee. She's on yes. the school committee. When she asked me, so the, she told me she was thinking about it last. She didn't ask me, but she told me. She goes, I'm, and I said, are you, are you really? Sure? And then when I realized that her passion was in education yeah. and she really wanted to, you know, to um, make a commitment back to the city that had been good to her and us. But also, you know, work with young people and educators, yeah, and yeah. Um, it made sense. And she yeah. won, and she did a great I job. Know, she and she's now job. serving, starting her second year. Right. So it all kind of comes back. It was um, it was fun for me, not being the candidate. Sure I helped her a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> not being the candidate was great. You know, uh, there was pressure on her. Yeah. Um, to make her own name. For herself to right. get, you know, um, for people to realize she was running on her background and her resume, not on her last exactly. name. So it was, and the, the honest truth is more people know her than know me and like her more than they like me. So yeah. it wasn't, um, it wasn't as hard for her to overcome that. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've been blessed. We have four beautiful daughters. Um, we have three beautiful grandchildren and uh, life has been very good, both professionally and personally. And, you know, the, the good thing about the job I'm in now and, and just my outlook is that I don't intend to stop. Um, I probably can't. I need to keep going. Uh, but I want to. Yeah. I want to keep working. Right. I like working. I like creating things. And I like helping people if I can, yeah. you know. One of, the, one of my insights when I was working in the finance world after leaving government was, am I helping anybody? Am I making a difference in anyone's life if they hire us versus someone else? And I thought, not really. Yeah. If I look at it from a from a step back, you know, our product is good, but it's not appreciably better than anyone else's. And and at the end, I'm helping. I don't know. I didn't feel like I was making any difference in anyone's life, and it just to me felt a little empty. And coming back to the chamber, coming back to Quincy, and doing the chamber has given me a, a new lease, I think, and a and just a, a better outlook about you know, at the margins, we help people. Yeah. Um, if we can. And if we can't, if it's not work for them, that's fine. They can, you know, they can do it on their own. But it is nice having a little, when you're an entrepreneur or sole proprietor, it's nice having a team behind you. And I think that's how I look at the chamber. We're the team behind you. Right. We're the support system. It's like running an NFL franchise. There's the star quarterback. There's the, the people paid a lot of money on the front line. But there's a whole organization behind them that puts them in place and, and gives them the tools to succeed. Or shows them yeah. how to succeed. And that's what we try to do. We, we try to do that. And we've grown over the years. The last five years, we've doubled in size. We've got a lot more business. We seem to be growing every year. We survived the pandemic, which was probably a, yeah. the biggest challenge. Right. Um, but, but when the pandemic came, I remember just like shaking my head <laughs> saying, I do not want to start. I don't want to have to reinvent myself again. Again. I don't want to deal with another recession. I've dealt with so many of them over my lifetime. And then, and then sort of the muscle memory kicked in. I said, okay, I did it before. We can do it I did again. it politically. I did it business. I'll figure out how to do it. We went digital. We started, you know, we kept all of our big businesses. We kept our sponsors. We did things that we couldn't do in person. We did them, you know, yeah. remotely. You adjusted, right? And, and then we moved outside and we started doing events. And, you know, it, it, we, we came out of it stronger than we went into it. Um, both financially and, and the great. perception. And um, and that's a 
factor of having weathered so many storms. And that's the thing about entrepreneurship and, and life. The more you survive, the more confidence you have, you can continue to survive right. and thrive. Right. And then you might trip over something that, you know, I mean, Bill Rosenberg, who founded Dunkin' Donuts, you know, was an ice cream salesman before he became a coffee salesman. Wow. Howard Johnson sold cigars. And then he figured out how to sell ice cream. Because you get ideas and, you, and, and, and you act on it. And if you can sell, if you're confident and you can sell, you can you sell, sell anything, anything if you can sell. If right. you have a confidence that, hey, I even if this it, it might not be the right product, so find the right product to sell. Exactly. And we tell people that. What you, you know, Don't sell what you want to sell. Sell what the customer wants. Exactly. And okay. that's what the founders of these great companies did and the founders of all great companies do. Exactly. It's fun to watch. It's, it's interesting to read. Um, we have, you know, an example here in Quincy of a, an entrepreneur, probably one of the, the biggest entrepreneurs in Quincy, Rob Hale, started Granite Telecommunications 20 years ago, and, and it's grown into a billion-dollar company, multi-billion-dollar company. And his story is, I did, I, I did, I built this company before. It was called Network Plus, and we failed. We went bankrupt um, during the crash. I think in '01. You know, the dot-com crash. Yeah. It was a tech company, and it failed. And it failed spectacularly. Um, and he regrouped and rebuilt the business from the ground up and, and has had 20 great years, and he spent a lot of his time and money giving back to the community. I think I've heard about him. Like, he's yeah. donated to all the different businesses right now. Like, to, every, the, the like YMCA big money. And, big money. And yeah. uh, the hospitals, and, yeah. and even now, the, the last year, small businesses, small yeah. nonprofits and stuff. Yeah. So, very generous, he and his wife. And he's a great example of, of someone who's succeeded wildly, but it was based on a previous public failure. Exactly. And it's hard when you fail publicly. I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. It's hard. But it makes you stronger you in the end. get up the in next the day end. and yeah. you show you your like, face exactly. and, and say, I'm not giving up yet. I'll figure it out. Right. And uh, that's really, I think, the secret. If there is a secret to success in, as a business person or an entrepreneur is figuring out how where you failed and, and, and then being determined enough to say, well, I'll figure it out and I'm not going to fail the next time and I'll succeed. And it doesn't have to be massive success. It doesn't have to. It's great if it is, but it doesn't have to be because there are a lot of really successful people who have one business and do it really, really well. One location and do it really well. The most important thing is that you're fulfilled. You're supporting, you know, your lifestyle um, and you're you're showing other people how to do it. That's the thing. And you don't know who you're showing who's seeing it, whether they're seeing it, listening to it on a podcast or seeing it on LinkedIn. I can do that. I can maybe do that better than she does right. that. There's a career that I really, I really love it. And I think that's what you found in your career. That's what I, yeah. Find I something you really try. like and that you're good at. Yeah. Because as someone says, if you like it and you're good at it, it's not work. Right. So, um, yeah. I know nothing about staging. Yeah. I just knew that I wanted to start a business. I yeah. knew that I wanted to have, you know, more time in my hands. I want to be able to, yeah. you know, pick up my daughter, drop her off. You know, I, I yeah. loved my job, the stuff and shop. I think probably one of, I, I really did enjoy it. I learned a lot. But once I was done, I was done. <laughs> yeah. No, that's. I was ready for something else. That's and, the and it's been great. And, 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 and I enjoyed just. Trying new things. Right, and, and yeah, you're I, never too old 
That's never too old. Never right? you, have too to, old you have to, to remind yourself though every yeah, day you're not you're too, never old. too old. Because we do think that though. Yeah. But you have to I'm remind too old yourself. To do that. I'm, I'm too old. old. To Should it hit yeah. you late? I yeah. don't know. Should have done this never 20 years ago. But. I mean, there's always regrets, you know, yeah. as far as when you could have yeah. done it. But you, you're, you know, I mean, as you, long li- you, do it. you live it's in the moment and you take everything you've done up to that point and apply it. And it really doesn't matter what it is as long as you enjoy going, you know, there's nothing worse. And I see this a lot with people who maybe in a government job or in a, in a job where a pension's at stake and they need more time to get, to make more money so that they can retire. Um, they spend the last five or 10 years of, of their careers really hating, hating what they're doing. Yeah. And then they don't live long enough in retirement exactly. to enjoy it. Well, they do. It's and, you know, it's just... It, this, and they regret it, and they look and look back. At, I yeah, mean, it's, it's a cliche, a, but yeah. it's way too, it short. too short. All of a life is too short, especially yeah. when the end comes. You just say, "I wish, you know, I wish yeah, I'd done that." Exactly. And I hopefully won't get to that point without anything, without thinking, "Well, I didn't do enough, or I didn't try enough." I mean, maybe I didn't accomplish what I wanted, but it's not because I didn't try. My God, you had such a <laughs> successful and diverse career. Well, uh, it's certainly been diverse, that's for sure. And I, I, if I like most of it, and the parts I didn't like and I hated, I switched pretty quickly. Yeah. I switched real quickly because I, because I had that feel um, that you know this is easy. It's I could keep doing it, but I don't like doing it anymore. It's yeah. not motivating me. Right. I'm getting lazy. I'm I'm losing yeah. skills. Right. I'm not staying up with things. I mean, I I. Don't always love learning new tricks or figuring out what the latest technology is. But when I do finally figure it out or someone shows it to me and I'm able to do it on my own after the fifth time, <laughs> it feels good. It, it feels, feels good. good. I, I can keep up with my kids occasionally, you know, yeah. and uh, communicate with them and stuff. So, uh, no, I, I, I recommend it for anyone. And, and you can start as small as you want or you can go as yeah. big as you want and you can figure it out. It's kind of like a, a path that... You don't know where it's going to take you and where the end is, but you just have to be but determined that's what's good to about get it. there. Exactly, it's that's really what's good is. It really is. So thank you well, very much yeah. for having me. I, I mean, talked way too long. No, 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 no. no. Hopefully, is... people stay all the way through it. <laughs> um, well, there was so much. I, I, I still feel like we almost didn't cover everything that we wanted to talk about. But you know what? Maybe we can do it again. I'd love to come back. Okay. I'd love to come back. Right. If anyone really finds this interesting, then I'll definitely come back and we'll do part two. Okay. We will. We will. <laughs> Cover the Absolutely. small parts that Absolutely. we didn't do or focus on some of the stuff that stuff. could have spent yeah. more time exactly. on. Exactly. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thank, Thank you. you.